Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're good. And uh, welcome to Thursday's show. I'm Jack Chu, 12.30 till 1 o'clock. That's getting creaky, isn't it, that chair? I need to get, get, swap the chairs over. Getting too fat for this chair. Um, 12.30 till 1 o'clock on weekdays, we chew it over. Uh, live streamed to various different places. So if you think, oh, well, I'm listening to this on YouTube, I, I wish it was on Facebook, then it is on Facebook and vice versa and LinkedIn and all sorts of other places like that. So uh, tune in where is best for you. Um, usually I end up with the paranoia as to whether or not the audio is working and you can see and hear me loud and clear and therefore points and prizes for the first two. Tell me that everything's working okay on the streams and hopefully I can then aggregate your comments and questions so that you can participate as we don't have a guest on today. And uh, I think this topic is an interesting one, um, which I will get into. You'll see in the title sequence says, how has COVID changed behavior? Now, this kind of the, the low-hanging fruit is how has it changed behavior on us all today. Uh, so not today, like um, at the moment, lockdowns, that sort of stuff, right? But it's more that like, I wonder how has it changed our behavior ongoing for good when we're allowed to do whatever it was we, we did before, what will return and what won't, that sort of conversation, which is interesting. I'll tell you about what inspired that. Thank you, Talita. Points and prizes to Talita, who says, hello. And yes, your chair is definitely a bit creaky. <laughs> Big time. Sorry about that. I'll, um, I'm going to stand, try and sit still. Pete Moore says, can hear you okay, dude. Thank you, Pete. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, wow. We've got Talita and Pete Moore, Talita Bookers and Pete Moore commenting on the stream. You know, they should, should be guests on, you know. If you, you know, I should be reaching out to them, get you on the show. Um, remind me, each of you, if you're listening, that uh, I want to get you on chewing it over uh, on your specialist subjects. But what I wanted to talk about today was inspired by my business partner, colleague, friend, marketing guru that is Michael Schumacher. He's been on this show a number of times. We used to do a regular show and we've just probably forgotten to do it. Marketing Mondays, what happened to that? Although the first of ne first of this month would be next Monday, so maybe we'll do that again. But anyway, Schumacher, not quite the Michael Schumacher, but a Michael Schumacher in my life, made a point the other day on WhatsApp. We're just shooting the shit about the football and sports as well as other re related work things. Here he is. Here's the man himself. He uh, he posted a couple of pictures in our WhatsApp group, and he was just saying, "Wow, this is weird." The world has changed and he lives in Wimbledon and it's Wimbledon for those that are international listeners and viewers um you'll have heard of Wimbledon but um, Wimbledon's a, a place as well as a tennis tournament and he lives there and the tournament's ongoing and there's you know, I think it's allowed to be 70% ground capacity that sort of stuff and various different COVID, COVID provisions and all that sort of stuff right yet yeah, the reason he's saying oh dear is because he's walking around, probably walking his dog, I can't remember, and it's a ghost town. You know, the, the, the bars and pubs that should be rammed and the shops, it's all really quiet. And it's not as if it's 30% quieter or even 50% quieter, right? It's just that it's it's just that he suggested that this was evidence, and I think he's right, that the world has changed. It's going to take a while for people to adapt back to those things. And I think maybe an indication of it being naive that so-called Freedom Day is going to then flick a switch. 
There are various things we've talked about in healthcare as to why that might not be a good thing and why you should do, do integrated and hybrid, you know, in-person and digital features and stuff. But I think when it comes to socializing and, and uh, various sporting events and some of our hospitality and tourism related stuff, it's like we sh shouldn't underestimate how important those sorts of things are. Um, and I think that that's what I, uh, it really landed and weighed quite heavy. You know, it's first he's hearing about it, you know, he's, he's probably uh, give him a big head thinking about how uh, much that little bit of a comment he made the other day has weighed on my, played on my mind. But it definitely has affected me. I think it's going to have some ramifications uh, across the board. And in many ways, I hope he's wrong. I don't think he is, though. I think it's, it's a fair analysis to think that there's a naivety to thinking that we will bounce back inherently because you're asking for social behavior to flick back. You know, why wouldn't the last 18 months have, have changed things? And that's not necessarily based on just COVID caution because people might think, well, once everyone's safe, once the pandemic dies down, once the vaccine's out, well, you know, fully proliferated, sorry, not out. But um, that would not take into account the fact that people are just like, I'm all right with home drinking or... I've just done my house up because everyone's having home renovations in DIY. My garden's in good shape because I've had loads of time to sit around in it. I'm going to have people around for barbecues. We're just going to do more socializing, not in hospitality venues. Therefore, pubs and clubs and and even just the associated, you know, the, sh the shops next door to said pubs and clubs, the things that there are areas that draw footfall through those sorts of venues, restaurants. And is it necessarily going to bounce back like that? And, uh, and and should it, you know, uh, this is the thing that, that's in various different things in healthcare settings and with digital integrations and that conversation, I've been an advocate for the fact that it would be really clumsy for us in, say, MSK and wider healthcare to not embrace some of the positive changes that have occurred off the back of having to adapt quickly. But this is an area where I just can't see that being a positive trend if we do not get in amongst it, see each other, drink together, um, you know, turn some money over in those sorts of establishments, have that, the, the, the cultural phenomena of going to the pub and being with your mates and, and, and that process needing to be in person. And also what you're paying for when you pay for a pint rather than a four pack of cans is just, is that you're, you're then, you're paying for someone else's heating bill, rent, mortgage. You're also then paying for the circumstances that you, to staff to staff to pour it for you. Those sorts of things, right? And you can trim all those things off, and it's cheaper to buy it from a supermarket. Okay, well done, very clever. But what else do you lose? And I think that there's a je ne sais quoi that comes from the sort of uh, cultural piece of that that I think would be pretty scary to lose. And that maybe I was probably being a bit more naive to think that there would be a reemergence of that sort of phenomena. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a concern that potentially um, it would, it was going to, it's going to struggle to bounce back. So yeah, let's see what your thoughts are. If you're listening in live, do you think I'm overplaying that? Is that, is that me worrying for the worrying sake? Um, do you think it's? Do you think what I'm describing is uh, just an example of a trend, or it's actually sorry, an example that uh, of, of of a one-off, or is that actually a trend? 
especially because this in in this instance was comparing Wimbledon's of old to Wimbledon now, when realistically you've only meant you should only have a thirty percent drop off of everything. Um, so what is it then that makes people reticent to then hang about? You know, they've had kick out time from Wimbledon, yet they haven't then poured into the pubs and clubs and and restaurants and stuff. Like clubs will be open, but restaurants and shops, that sort of stuff. Why would they not be hanging around? I think behaviour change might have been indicated to be greater than we might have thought. So that's what I'm that's what I'm chewing over today, and I'd be interested in your thoughts. Some pouring in now. Thank you so much. Those tuning in, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, brilliant. Thank you. Um, this is a really important one to agree with. Jack March says Michael Shimrock is weird in all the best ways. He is weird in all ways, some of the best ones. Talita, happy to be a guest, Jack. Not totally sure I have much to contribute, useful to contribute besides lots of opinions. I want your opinions, that's what this is about. What the hell have I got to contribute other than opinions? But particularly, Talita, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about your your clinical practice because I know you do some sort of community work and community based stuff as well and, and, uh, and your, your new premises and all that sort of stuff. So there's lots to talk about. Now, the man himself has commented. What I noticed in Wimbledon was that at the pubs, bars, restaurants were stacked after the first lockdown. It wasn't the same after the second. Right, that's interesting. So I hadn't heard that part of the reflection from him is that there was a, a bit of a bounce back after the first one. So I imagine, Shiri, you're saying last summer um he tapped to help out did that did that was that what that was about sort of a bit of an artificial manufactured sort of spike for everything being cheaper um but also yeah what might lockdown two three beyond have done has that meant that people have just they've forgotten what it used to be you know have they adapted and adjusted their lifestyles in such a way that actually they're less bothered about that whereas it was kind of it was only a temporary thing at that point you know it'd only been a few months and then we were able to go again um is that why it bounced back a bit then so yeah i'd be interested in in your thoughts um jim said that there'll be adaptation but it was slower than the light switch yeah yeah i think that it will be i mean i don't i'm not suggesting that you know it's going to be a ghost town forever but i just think the time frame matters right how much of a runway these venues are going to have those that have managed to survive it how much of a runway will they have especially because even the bounce back loan money, like it's not as if this is the, the, the bounce back loans and, and other grants and support has come now. It's come to survive them to this. It's not as if they've all got loads of money that they can they can spend on, on staff whilst the, they get busier. No, it'd be strange for these venues to be profit worthy beyond say 50% capacity. That would be unusual. So therefore, if it is low, how low can they get away with it being for, for a while? Jim's also added that it was said the smoking bans would kill pubs and nights out, and it didn't. Don't know if Jim, you're suggesting that there's enough of a relationship between that and this, or similarity that then, you know, that's that, that was an example of scaremongering that didn't come off, and this is just the same because, it, you know, from what I understand on the data, it didn't affect it at all. You know, uh, there just weren't enough, not just smokers, but avid smokers that were then going to allow themselves to disrupt the rest of their social life because of it, and so they smoked outside awkward um but yeah please do expand on that pete moore work-wise covid has changed the way healthcare professionals work for the good i agree online consultations can now support people who live in rural areas i agree social wise it'll recover over the next couple of years right this is the bit that concerns me is that i agree with all of what pete's saying there and i think that the consequences economically and socially 
for that last part if it takes a couple of years is 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 a bit of a scary one because i don't think that the let's let's just say that there's enough of a bounce back in industry you might have seen on the news today you know nissan getting all giddy about building their batteries here and stuff let's just imagine that we have all those sorts of bounce backs that help us economically to be able to afford certain schemes and stuff that can also assist certain industries that will be slower to bounce back can we afford that timeline and does it suck the interest out of it do, do people we're we going to adapt back to what we what we were or is there going to be some sort of novel hybrid like i haven't heard about zoom quizzes for a while like there's some people that are they've adapted their social life around some integration of digital like are people still doing that um i'm fascinated if so they were fun but brief sort of early pandemic type events you know if someone's like oh yeah we've been doing a, a weekly zoom quiz with all all my mates and we will not stop it and we won't be going to the pub in a rush and you know please tell me if that's the case and i'd be fascinated to hear that um but yeah thanks pete that was a really good point and definitely one that i'd agree with i'm just concerned about the time frame on that last point socially so Lita said, I think the majority of people are still quite wary of spending time in close proximity of others and strangers. As humans, we're easily conditioned in altered behavior. Yeah, I think that that concerns me. I'm speaking a lot of concern. I know Jim says I do that anyway, but in this one, I, I definitely am. In that that's, I think, a somewhat irrational instinct that's been fed into us because of the pandemic, because we've had to be a bit wary and skeptical of each other and, and the, the sort of COVID caution and 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 things like that you know it's it's understandable you know people being strangers and would you go up and hug a stranger um shaking hands but that instinct is is a bit of an ugly one i think it's a bit of an ugly protective and defensive human emotion right that's that's the sort of thing that that we evolved into to be wary of strangers and opposing tribes that might be after us and kill, to, going to kill us, right? It's the, what they reckon are the evolutionary roots of things like xenophobia and even darker um, racisms and the like, right? Is that you've just got this fear of the other, right? And we don't want that. We don't want to indulge that. And I think that to some degree, the way in which the safetyism that surrounded the pandemic, if that isn't part of a rational analysis that understands the other trade-offs, then I think that that's one of the things that's concerning. And one of the things that counteracts what I've described there is just interactive social mixing. You know, it's the, the, the conversations that just emerge, the shoulders that you, you know, you rub, rub past in the, in the pub or being next to someone in the bloody urinals, right? These things, are, they, they matter. You know, they, they're, just, they're just being amongst each other is a leveler. And I, I think that there's something to be said about that being something we need to try and get back to. Um, and the, the consequences, although, you know, that's not me disagreeing necessarily what Talita said there, just to remind those, those watching that it's the wariness of being in close proximity. Yeah, it is. But it's like we need to, I think we need to aggressively fight that. We can't just let it then resettle and for, oh, we'll all just adjust. It's like I think we need to make a case for why we need to to bounce back the other side of that that i've just sort of remembered um was what has come downstream of michael sort of raising this the other day is that i would say that because the borders are somewhat closed and because foreign travel is going to be less um and that's going to be something that's going to be slower to bounce back for various reasons then that's that the, the, the othering across borders you know it could, could easily spike because of that and uh, and the and the fact that 
you know, for us being a, a say, well vaccinated country, you know, being um, smug in the knowledge that, well, you know, we want to keep the borders shut to X, Y, Z costs COVID and, and, and for the, the ugliness that can come from that other end, um, I think is a concern. And again, what's the, what's the, what's the great antidote to those sorts of things? Travel, mixing, conversation, all those sorts of things. Um, Pete's made a point here about variants. So whilst the variants are still prominent, populations are still wary of interacting with others. Hence why I suggest it will take a couple of years. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's sort of, this isn't me saying, uh, doing a show in a post-pandemic landscape. I think that would be remiss and naive of me. Um, but um, I think that that wariness, it, it needs to have some sort of rational overlay. You know, it's like how wary, you know, let's statistically speaking, how wary should two people be who are fully vaccinated of having a drink in a pub, right? Licking each other's eyeballs, maybe it's a bit bit soon. But is that a is the risk associated to that particular intervent, you know, interaction, is that is it rational to avoid that? Now, is it socially appropriate prior to say Freedom Day and the like for for, for people to to do that because that's one of the arguments against it is that you're then two people, two fully vaccinated people or two people with antibodies say they've had the disease uh, that, that are appropriate, that are in, even within social bubbles, whatever you call it, that the act of then trying to get back to normal is going to inspire bad behaviours, right? That's often what people say. It's like a bad example that they might set. And, um, you know, I, I just think that the concern in this stuff is that you, it's not being put through any sort of rational filter. You know, it's like, it's good or it's bad. You know, it's like, you should just do it and that there's no risk um, or that the, the, the risk is then being over embellished. And I think that that's the sort of thing that's silly because um, why shouldn't we be informing our understanding um, through a rational assessment of the evidence and, and probability, you know, it's like, what the hell do we, you know, we won't cross a street again if we were we were constantly trying to, you know, you, the, the safetyism that could creep in if we were to say, you know, even if we're, even all the vaccinated people shouldn't ever hug again, right? Why? What are the social consequences of, of being so over the top? And I think that people are, and also you've got people that are like, you know, this is me say, I say this as a hugger, right? So there's people, including good mates of mine, that are saying, right, you know, I'm, I'm putting my foot down, Chew, you've been, coercing me into hugs uh, for years now following the pandemic i'm keeping up my no hug policy you know they're enjoying telling me that um and so there are people that will be more reserved there'll be some people that are a bit more introverted that might have enjoyed some of the detachment from having to socially perform as they often describe it and i've got a lot of time for the fact that, that those that are honest with with that might be might be pleased to pleased to keep a distance and we've got to respect that it's fine but is it a net social good to be cautious and for it to gradually phase in like pete's describing over that duration and could businesses survive it right what pubs will will be around what bars what restaurants will be around especially those that your massive weather spoons with big open holes and stuff 
buy an old post office with loads of floor space and that. They can space the tables out and stuff and everyone can feel a bit more comfortable. But it's your, it's your sort of more small niche restaurants that if they did applied any level of social distancing or I know they're not going to have to legally, but I mean, like if, if people were phasing back in and they'd only have a couple of tables and stuff, then um, I think that's the sort of stuff that, you know, we'll need to, it'll need for us to be, I don't know, braver and, and, and to participate and engage and to be willing to, spend our money in our local communities again and, and start trading again you know to get things going um economically Talita's made this point there aren't many people whose eyeballs i'd lick to be honest it's a fair point I, i've i've overused that i think with regards to licking eyeballs became my thing about the extreme of what to avoid for the pandemic um always said look i'm, I'm easing my caution but i'm not going to go and lick an elderly stranger's eyeballs that's kind of what i've been saying over this pandemic is a bit silly really isn't it don't think anyone's been enjoying it, but I have. So uh, yeah, Talita, good point. There aren't many people whose eyeballs I'd like. I don't think I've ever licked an eyeball, by the way. It's not like a weird fetish of mine, I promise. Pete's then said, I hear people turned away from traveling to Malta yesterday because they didn't recognize the double vaccination on the NHS. I mean, this is a fascinating story, isn't it, right? So if there are going to be vaccine-related passports and Yet the tech infrastructure. So I, I don't. I think I've spoken out about against this anyway. Right? I don't. I don't like the two tiered society that that could create. Right, with regards to vaccination status, I don't like that. I'll reference another show that I talked about this. But then, if you're going to go that way, or some countries are going to go that way, if the technological infrastructure and the cards and all that sort of gubbins and the paraphernalia that's been surrounding the vaccination program doesn't then meet the standards, then what a farce! Like, I'm not a fan of it, but if you're going to implement the policy, then, God, just a classic bureaucratic nonsense, isn't it? Uh, Pete's then loving us and leaving us. He's uh, going to go and buff up the fat boy he's describing. So he's going to be out on his motorbike. He was on a pacing break. He said he'll tune in again. That's very good of him. What a hero. Pete Moore, Pain Toolkit, um, joining us on Tune It Over today. And, and I'll get him on here as a, as a guest one time because, uh, yeah, one of my favourite people to talk to. Um, so, yeah, thanks, Pete. Appreciate your contributions. Um what I want to ask you guys again directly is, is this a problem? And what time, let's double down on the time frame actually, because I've asked that first one, haven't I? What time frame do you think, let's say, because we will have some data on that one, right? So imagine whatever metric we can decide on, right? Um, on pub goers or pints pulled or you know drinks served or whatever. Let's just imagine there's a, there's a pre-pandemic, We've got an example, haven't we? Let's say, let's say Christmas time is going to be an example. So, Christmas just before the pandemic, Christmas of, of 2019, and the hospitality boom that comes with that, and all the Christmas markets, and there's snuggling up to each other and going out on Christmas jumper parties and all that sort of gubbins. Is this Christmas, what percentage of that volume, that turnover, that, that social mix in, what percentage of that do you think we'll have this Christmas? Bearing in mind that goes into winter, which brings a new variable, doesn't it? Whether we're all going to have the flu or COVID-21 or whatever it decides to crop up then, uh, or whether we have another wave and stuff. But just, yeah, I want I want your estimates. Like, what do you think? What percentage do you think this Christmas would be? And then let's play the same thing with, with summers. You know, like, what do you think this summer, let's say this August, you know, when it comes to whatever measure of, of, of socialising we, we think of, think of the summer of 2019 versus the summer of 2021. What do you think are going to be the the differences? Um, I personally 
think that as I started the show, that Schumacher sort of put me on my heels a little bit. I think there is something to to know. Uh, I think we should note that it's going to be quieter than we'd like on both of those counts. So I think this summer, I think if you measured it in August, I think it'll be still down at like 50%. And I think in, at Christmas, depending on where things go health-wise and how cautious they are, even if there isn't any legal restriction, I just think that people will probably still be in and around that 50% mark. And that has massive social ramifications. There's a shit ton of loneliness as well at the moment. Like I think that's such an, a variable that people have been completely underestimating and the, the social um, and mental health sequelae that comes downstream of that. I'm pretty gutted about how um, neglected people have uh, how, how neglectful people have been of those sorts of variables and they've not factored those things in to the analysis you know it's not been a well-balanced analysis from the off really but particularly that um, and so if you imagine how much that will persist there's also one of the things to look up if you're feeling particularly miserable and morbid about it like i am today then the have a little look at how pubs are a particularly interesting way of monitoring and managing um, pathological drinking. So that might sound counterproductive, but there's some really good emergent evidence, particularly supported by data from the pandemic about alcohol deaths, is because someone gets wasted in a pub, especially a problem drinker. They're doing so amongst their friends. Their friends are picking up on that. Friends and family starting to realize that they might need help because it's happening on a regular basis. And this, there's a there's a natural social sequel that comes from that. Whereas then you're know, binging, at, binging at home, which often happens alongside it. But, you know, this time it's now only that. And these are people that are, you've, we've, we've known those, those deaths to, to spike in part, they think, because you've not got that ability to socially regulate those sorts of behaviors and offer the support socially within sort of friends and acquaintances and neighbors and stuff and just have that community feel to it and so not only am i bringing that up because i think it's a, a real tragic part of the pandemic i'm also bringing it up to say if then these facilities and are socializing in person what's the minus alcohol but particularly the, the those sorts of parts of our culture which I, I certainly enjoy and love, we don't get them back and as quick and quickly, then I think it has downstream social consequences that I think people underestimate. And I think that, that it has changed our behaviour. Of course it has, and so it should have done. I think there's lots of the old normal in this space that I think we should really try and do all we can to get back to as quickly as possible. Um, and that's not just because I want to see as many of you as possible in, in, in pubs and bars and conferences down uh, latterly uh, in, into this year and next. I do. That that helps. That is a bias of mine, of course. But it's not just that. You know, I just think that then sort of my read on things is that, that there's definitely a uh, a massive benefit to those sorts of things that shouldn't be taken for granted. And so, yeah. When it comes to percentages, that's my best guess. I'm interested in what yours is. Um, what percentage of, um, based on, say, whatever metric we decide on from the pubs or socialising generally, what percentage will we get back to this summer, this August, say, as a month, and then December as a month around Christmas, when we even linking New Year in. But, yeah, how much do you think it's going to be? Now, 
this is a this is Jim saying seven point two just because he guessed seven point two and it ended up being a good guess yesterday on a different question. If he actually means he thinks seven point two percent, then you know, I think even he'd accept that that's a problem. Don't know if uh, I don't know if he's bothered. Like Jim, you have to tell me. Like, are you bothered about um, about this the pub being back open and stuff? Or are you just like I won't be going in them and therefore I'm not bothered? Or uh, yeah, are you, are you sticking with seven point two? Um, I think oh God, just, oh, Sarah, Sarah says 50%. She agrees with me. That's good. 50% for summer. And she says, oh, okay. She says 67% for, <laughs> I love that. 67%. Probably she's, I can't bring that in from YouTube. That's annoying. Yeah, 67% for Christmas. So that's, that's good. You know, that, that's good that it's trending that direction. I don't think that there will be a pickup. Whatever we end up with in August, I think, which could be better than I'm describing, but I think whatever it is in August ends up being similar in Christmas. I think there'll still be some caution. I think that the winter drinking and winter socialising and because that inherently is more indoors and stuff, I think that people will be a bit cautious this Christmas, which I don't think will help. Especially with all that wastage that happened around Christmas time this year. That's rubbish. Um but yeah, Jim's then said he thinks it's a nightmare for a lot of reasons. A lot of people, but market forces and social forces will push in a direction that might be very different. Okay, he's he's just sitting on the fence. He's making some nice points, but he's just sitting on the fence, which uh, obviously I'll allow because it's usually me. But anyway, that's been great. Thank you so much for the chat. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for tuning over with me, uh, especially those that contributed, but all of those that you were lurking and listening. Most of you tune in after the fact, but please do join me when you are free at lunchtime, 12.30 to 1 o'clock. But those that listen afterwards, it's great when you post onto the comments. We still read them and it informs future shows that we make and content we create. Um, if, you, if you craving some clinical stuff again, uh, which we will do because we did a lot last week on the CSP elections and stuff, which the, the results will be in for that soon. So keep an eye out for them. And uh, massive thanks again for, for all that you do joining in and, and making this such a fun show. I can't believe how many we've done now. It's absolutely mad um, that we're now at 178 episodes. So approaching that 200 mark, which has been been really fun and uh, really surprising how well this has gone down so it's you guys that have made it so thanks a lot and i'll see you tomorrow